You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And as Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin, I'm also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Boltonville, uh, which isn't all that far away from Slinger. Boltonville Rain Days, I remember. I think that's a festival that they do. Uh, so, yeah, there's... Uh, there's your new affiliate, as always. If you want to send one in, be sure to do so, so we can get some more uh, small towns and cities represented in the state of Wisconsin. For the moment, I am actually the athletic Minneapolis, as I'm uh, here in my hotel room getting ready for tomorrow's game, uh, Bucks Timberwolves, and I'll preview that one here in a little while. But before I do that, I just wanted to remind you, that today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie. You can have head over to MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And you can use a promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And that's the promo code LOCKEDON25 over at MyBookie. So head over there today and get in on the action. And... I wanted to kind of circle back to the Bucks game last night uh, against the Sixers. Obviously, uh, we recorded it late, and I don't really know what happened to the podcast, but it didn't mean that there was a secret ending uh, to the podcast, and uh, we kind of lost some of the audio for a little while, but then I regained it in the morning, so... Any of you that listened, uh, I think before 10 a.m. Central Time, uh, there's some other, uh, there's some other, there's like five more minutes of podcast if you want to go get that. Um, not at all intentional, but uh, thank you to all of you that alerted me about that this morning. So hopefully you guys kind of got the end of that podcast. And I guess some of the stuff that I just find really interesting about this Bucks team is. Uh, it's it's kind of weird um, to think through kind of where we were before the season started and kind of where we are now, because as we've we've talked about the the entire starting lineup is kind of playing for a contract. Other than Giannis, like all those guys are are trying to figure out exactly what they will be doing next year. And I think before the season, there was probably a a pretty clear. I think there's a pretty clear pecking order for the guys that you would think about wanting to get paid or the guys that, you know, you thought deserved to get paid and maybe how much they deserve to get paid. And obviously of those guys, I mean, I think you had Chris Middleton at the top of the list. And um, I know there's going to be a number of people that are uncomfortable with any number. Um, but, you know, Chris Middleton is easily going to get $25 million a year. And that might go up to... 
that might go up to 30 that might go up to a max like it it's going to get to some spots where people are uncomfortable but i think what you're seeing with middleton under boonholzer is you know a guy that's pretty clearly worth it like if you if you had those concerns before i think maybe some of those concerns dissipate at least slightly um but also there's a group of people that don't like Chris Middleton's game, and I don't think they will ever like Chris Middleton's game, no matter what he may do or what it may look like. So um, that's probably not changing, and that's totally fine. But uh, that is something that, you know, we are going to have to keep an eye on kind of where that number will be. But beside all of that, beside what that number actually is, I think it was pretty clear that, you know, of the guys you're thinking about resigning, he was on the top of the list. And I think next on that list was probably Malcolm Brogdon. And it's interesting. It, we only we have very small sample size. We have four game sample size. And Malcolm Brogdon was kind of in that area where, you know, Bucks fans were kind of hoping that it was going to be cheap enough, that it wasn't going to be too expensive, that, you know, it was going to be in a spot that you were comfortable with, but ultimately Malcolm Brogdon is a really useful player and someone that you really want to resign. And I, I got to say, like, I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but continuing to go down the packing order, I think Eric Bledsoe was someone that everyone had kind of in many ways thought like okay you know you got two years out of blood so if he goes he goes like it that's totally fine you're probably gonna be uncomfortable with whatever whatever money you're gonna want to pay him he's got half a meniscus between his two knees like yeah you could probably find a way to to think through not paying him and i think that was kind of where everyone's head was at and then brooke lopez i don't think anyone really knew um but you know there was at least a chance that he could play well and play into a new contract where you might not be comfortable paying that contract. But I think he was a little bit of an afterthought. I think the the main thing was thinking through those three guys, Middleton, Bledsoe, and Brogdon. And it, I, to me, it felt like Bledsoe was the guy you definitely felt you could you could kind of stand to lose. That, okay, you, you know, you're, you're going to have to pay quite a bit for Middleton. Go ahead and do that. You're going to have to pay whatever amount for Brogdon, hope it's cheap, hope you can do something affordable, um, don't sign too much. Like we were talking about the Norm Powell deal, which I think on the new CBA or uh, the new salary cap, excuse me, um, it would be like four for 50-ish, maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, so it, it would be a, a number where, you know, I, I think it's a little bit uncomfortable, especially with years, especially with his red flag on his foot, like all of those things. Uh, you, you know, there was enough red flags that it's like, okay, get it done cheaply. Like, let the deadline pass and you know let him go to restrictive free agency and then sign him cheaply and now i'm kind of in a spot where eric bledsoe's kind of flipped me a little bit and i wasn't totally ready for it because you know as we were thinking through contracts and what guys are worth and how much you want to pay them and you know guys in a contract year and what they might look like like, I think there were concerns about Eric Bledsoe and what he might look like in a contract year and uh you know maybe there'll be some selfishness maybe there'll be some some lack of buy-in on on Bud's system and that really hasn't been the case as of yet and when when you look at the way that Bledsoe's impacting the game on both sides like it just feels like he has made himself vastly more important because when you look at being able to break guys down off the dribble, 
Bledsoe's always been pretty good at that, and he's always been a good rim, rim finisher. Um, but now it's it's uh, it's even greater. It's it's been exaggerated in Bud's system because there is so much space, there is so much ability for him to be able to get to the rim, and. It, it's kind of this weird thing where offensively he's doing a really great job. And then defensively, I obviously wrote about it at the athletic Wisconsin at the start of the week about him figuring things out defensively and figuring out, okay, I'm not shutting guys down, but I'm pushing them into the mid range. And then our bigs are going to come up, sandwich them, get a contested mid range shot and everything's great. And it's just kind of fascinating to think about like, defensively now he's kind of like the catalyst for for what they do at at least for kind of shepherding those offensive players into the zones that they want and he's damn good at it he's gotten good at those those blocks from behind uh he had one on jj reddick last uh excuse me on wednesday night uh obviously he had a one on oladipo like it's just something that he's good at and I, i it's it's a weird situation because I, I think his his value and uh, the the necessity that you place on him as a player going forward and the necessity you feel about having to keep him in Milwaukee, I think, at least to me thus far, has increased. And it's, it's making things very interesting, or at least to me, uh, as you think about how you dole out contracts and what you what you try to figure out because with the struggles that Malcolm Brogdon has had thus far, like I think you have to wonder how much do you want to pay him and how much is too much and how how long of a contract is too long. And it could just this very well could be an overreaction to four games and four more games from now and in another week, I, I could feel extremely stupid about even bringing this up or thinking about, you know, moving Malcolm Brogdon down on this list. But I do think, you know, there there is some questions because he does not look incredibly comfortable in this system. And that's going to be a real question moving forward. And that was just something I want to talk about today. I, I'm more than happy to listen to what you guys think on Twitter and see how you guys feel about it. But I do think, you know, there has to be at least some shuffling um, of kind of your thoughts about how these people fit in long term, uh, how those three deserve to be paid, what is fair compensation for them, and, you know, kind of what you're thinking about with them. I, I think, it, for me, it, it has changed a little bit in these couple of games, and again, I'm I'm more than open to the idea that it's going to change again in four more games, and, and it'll change again in the next eight games, and it, it'll kind of evolve throughout the season, but, you know, early on this season, it almost feels like Bledsoe's kind of jumped over the top of Brogdon, and that wasn't really a place I was expecting to be. Um, I was not really expecting that. So um, just something to think about, something I've been thinking about. Um, So I'm curious what all of you guys think about that as well. And I'm also curious what you guys think of my bookie, because they are, to me, great because they are a new sponsor they're a new old sponsor they've sponsored us before they've been around before uh and now they are back and obviously we want you to go head over to my bookie and uh, you win and they pay they have in-game live betting over unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business 
My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKDOWN25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKDOWN25. When creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And again, if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25 to end uh, LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but I would wait until after dinner and take the extra money. You play, you win, you get paid over at my bookie. So happy to have them back. Happy to have them as a sponsor. Just a, a couple other things that I've been generally thinking about. Uh, I tweeted it out last, I keep saying last night, but I tweeted it out during the Sixers game. And one thing that I find really interesting is that throughout this season, Matt Velasquez and I, Matt Velasquez, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, my good friend, uh, both of us, you know, cover all these games and then we like kind of sit there and. Dante DiVincenzo gets like 20 minutes per game and we just kind of watch him and still don't understand him. And at some point we're going to, um, but we just get to a spot where it's like, Oh, Dante's doing Dante stuff. And what we mean by that is, you know, just all of the kind of weird stuff that he does where he'll go up there and, slap a rebound down like he'll grab one of those he'll he'll be there when you know Giannis was sweeping in for it but he comes in and grabs it or uh he'll he'll be flying around offensively for an offensive rebound or he'll make a weird cut or uh he'll just generally be flying around and uh last night there was a a a strange sequence where he got too excited in transition he got his his feet out in front of his head and he just just kind of lost the ball and it didn't look good and then somehow he recovered and he swats a Markel Fultz layup attempt and it was just uh, like that flashing of his athleticism and I truly do not know what to think of it because he, he does keep showing off that that vertical and that ability to get up in the air on, on those defensive rebounds, on those blocks, and uh, he's he's always trying for that kind of chase down blocks. And like I just don't know how any of that fits. And uh, I mean, everything comes down to whether or not he can hit jumpers. Um, he was one for three last night, and uh, on the season he's shooting. 30% I believe uh from 3 yeah he's shooting yeah 30.8% from 3 on 3.3 attempts per game so he's he's getting some shots up and uh you know 30.8 isn't going to cut it but you know if he makes one more of those on a small sample size everything kind of changes but uh, I mean I we're week in and I'm not any closer to understanding uh, his game and 
I mean, to his credit, he is a rookie and he's playing 20 minutes per game, which isn't something you typically expect out of rookies. Uh, he does kind of do things during games that kind of draw your eyes to him, but also he does things that uh, draws your eyes to him in a negative way. And I think it's going to continue for a while here. Um, obviously, Mike Boonholzer likes him quite a bit. He's able to kind of put him in a, in a couple different spots to try to defend a couple different positions. And, you know, he likes that he can handle it a little bit and he can pass and he can shoot a little bit. Like, he's a bud guy. Like, it, that's all well and good. But, you know, as you think through it, it's just like, you know, what is he and what will he be uh, going forward? And I'm not any closer to figuring that out. And we'll have to continue to to try to see. And I think part of the reason why it's interesting is because of the thing I mentioned in the first segment is that, you know, if, if you don't want to pay Malcolm Brogdon, if Malcolm Brogdon gets too good of a deal, like the natural heir apparent to his minutes the the natural uh next step would be Dante DiVincenzo like that would be your hope that okay in year two he can be ready to go uh and he can be ready to kind of take take those minutes and I think we're pretty far off from that at this point but also if Malcolm Brogdon isn't playing better is it that far off if he's more mediocre than great like maybe um but it is something that I have found myself thinking of, which, again, at the start of the season, I would not have seen myself thinking about really any of these things. And uh, we're just kind of in this strange spot where now all of a sudden that's kind of where where my mind has gone. So we will have to keep an eye on that. Some other things. Our good friend Dean Maniat at All the Bucks on Twitter was taking a look at some of the assist numbers for Giannis, and I think it, it obviously it speaks to kind of what this is all about. But he looked at his assist distribution, uh, so kind of where those those made baskets are going. And last year, forty seven point six percent of his assists were on threes, 18.6% of them were on mid-range attempts, and 33.8% of them were on rim attempts. Now this year, that 47.6% from three has turned into 70% on three-point attempts. Uh, Mid-range has shrunk from 18.6 to 7.6, and uh, four attempts at the rim, that has shrunk as well from 33.8% to 22.3%, which shouldn't be really all that surprising um, with, like, the rim decrease and obviously the mid-range decrease and the huge increase in threes, but, you know, it speaks to something larger than that, and Dean also tweeted this out. Giannis Dedekumbo has created a ridiculous 2.74 points per assist so far in the season, the highest mark for players with 20-plus total assists. And it speaks to, obviously, everything that the Bucks are doing. Like, this Bucks team is going to spread out the floor around Giannis. They are going to fill, um, as, I, as I wrote at The Athletic Wisconsin today, uh, about Giannis's final pass in the triple-double, like, 
the blue squares, like just think of the blue squares. And, you know, those are the places that Giannis is passing to um, all of them outside the three point line on the wings and the corners uh, and him just kind of in the middle of it. And that it speaks to kind of what the goals of the Bucks for out with Giannis on the ball kind of offense is all about. Like it, it does speak to that. And I think you're kind of seeing the benefits of how that pays off and what that's all about. So, None of these things should surprise you, but it is just uh, it's it's a good reminder of what this is all about, and it is about one shooting threes and getting those extra points for those attempts and not taking those mid rangers anymore. But also, it's about getting Giannis to the rim and giving him chances and giving him room to work, and uh, that's really what it's been all about uh, for the Bucks and. I I wrote about it at the Athletic Wisconsin Day, and um, I talked about it a little bit last night. But it it really is striking to me that when you watch Giannis and you listen to Giannis explain things, like he he's all the way bought in. And the moments where you know you're kind of seeing him at his sloppiest, like it's when guys are deviating from from the system and. Uh, I just thought it stood out so much that when we asked if he saw Tony Snell, he immediately went back to that play with Malcolm Brogdon where he threw it out of bounds in the second quarter. And, you know, just the fact that that was the play that stuck out to him, that to explain knowing that Tony Snell would be in the corner, he first needed to talk about a time where it didn't go right. And why it's important is because after that Knicks game, he, he talked about that, obviously, and he talked about doing things right, and they were doing the right thing by shooting all these threes, and when you think through it, like, in that moment, in that second quarter, they had missed their, uh, they were one for 11 from three in the first quarter, and in that moment, you saw Malcolm Brogdon uh, make a cut into into the middle of the lane that, I mean, from a purely basketball perspective, like no context, no thinking about Bud's system, no anything else, it was a good cut. Markel Fultz had lost him, had turned his back to him, and Malcolm Brogdon was able to cut in front of his face, uh, which, you know, if you can make that cut on the way to the basket, that's exactly what you want to do. Like, it was a good cut into open space, into a spot where, you know, he could have done some damage, but that is what it is without the context of Bud's system. In Bud's system, it's a bad cut because it's a really tight space, really tight quarters. You're you're jamming a, a pass into a spot where it doesn't need to go. Giannis, I mean, that's going to be a really tough pass for Giannis. He's going to have to throw a bounce pass on the run and somehow get it in there, and it's just not going to make any sense. And it spoke to, you know, like the crushing of old habits and also, uh, you know, kind of the thought that, you know, when things aren't going right, maybe we'll do this. And I just thought it was so telling that after that, he talked to Malcolm Brogdon and let him know, Hey, you got to fill those spots and just how important those spots have become. And at at some point, you know, I think teams are going to learn that, okay, if Giannis gets up into the air, like just run to the wings in the corners and, you know, that's kind of where the ball is going to go. And as Giannis said post game, he's going to throw it blindly. Like he's going to throw it blindly to the spots because he knows that's where his teammates will be. Um, so I think at some point defenses will just kind of 
um, kind of like Kawhi Leonard did the other night where he couldn't see the ball, but he knew where the pass was going to go. Like, I think at some point you're just going to see teams close to those spots as soon as Giannis jumps up into the air. And, you know, that's going to make things a little bit more difficult for him passing. And he's not going to be able to throw those blind. And he's not going to be able to assume people are going to be open as much. But, you know, if you already have people thinking about that and recovering on the pass on a Giannis drive, you've probably already won. Like you have them not thinking about what is most important and that is stopping Giannis Dedekumbo. And I mean, uh, I recorded an episode of the round table on spectrum sports uh, with Dennis Krause and Jim Paschke before I left. But one thing that, that Jim kept saying is that the overwhelming, the overwhelming message with this Bucks team with Bud, with what they're doing is simplicity. And it's not about, players needing to think through a million different things on the run it's filling these these spots getting to those spots and trusting that your teammates are going to get to those spots put the ball in those spots like they are going to handle their business from those spots and one thing i i ended up telling jim was that you know as everything has been simplified for them they actually in many ways seem to be starting to play more complicated, complex basketball. Because think about how many times you've seen those spots filled. You see a drive, you see a kick out, and then all of a sudden it looks like, oh, wow, look at these great basketball minds these guys have because, oh, they catch, look ready to shoot, then it's a no-look touch pass to the corner, and then, oh, it's a drive there, and then it's another skip pass to uh, the opposite wing because, of course, they're in that opposite wing spot. So all of a sudden you've gone from a baseline drive to a, a kick to the other wing, then it's a kick to the corner, and then you hit a three, and all of a sudden it's this sequence of beautiful basketball, like all of those moments that you think about with the old Spurs and you know how they used to play, and in those moments you're thinking, oh wow, how have they put all this together? How have they figured out, you know, uh, all all of their their teammates' thoughts. You know how are how do they have this symbiotic relationship where they're all moving together and they all know what the next person's going to do next? And all of a sudden you realize they don't. They're just filling those five spots, and they're willing to make the extra pass, and they're willing to drive out of that, and they're willing to make the simple read of okay, what is the defender closing out doing? Do I need to drive them? Do I need to kick to the corner? Is my teammate open to my right or my left? Like, it's it looks more and more complex. It looks like beautiful basketball. It looks like, oh, wow, this team is really executing on just this next level that no one can comprehend. But really, the basketball is incredibly simple. And that is what, you know, Jim and I ended up talking about throughout the show that we were recording and, and before we started the show is that, you know, Mike Boonholzer and his staff have really simplified the game for this team. And in doing so, they've also made all of these players look a lot better, look a lot smarter, look like they're really understanding the game and, you know, becoming next level thinkers. And, you know, maybe that is the case. Maybe, maybe he does have them or also maybe it's just simple. And 
they don't have to overthink. They don't have to be trying to figure out uh, defensively when they help, how much they help, where they're helping, uh, how they're defending the pick and roll, how they're defending the pick and roll when Thon is in versus when John Henson is in versus when Brooke Lopez. Like, they're not thinking about a million different things. Like, they're just kind of going out and playing basketball. And Jim kept saying again and again, that's the beauty of what Bud has done is that it is simplified. It is simple basketball. There's not a lot of thinking. There's just kind of instinctual reactions. And I do think that's kind of the biggest deal here is that this Bucks team is is kind of doing that. And I also think that might be part of the reason that, you know, we've seen Giannis struggle a little bit because I think he's used to trying to figure out how to manipulate a defense and then, you know, make a next level play. And in this system, like he just needs to manipulate the defense and then make the simple play, like make, make the pass that he knows is going to be there and let his team kind of do the rest. And I do wonder if, you know, the times where he's looked out of sorts and he's tried to figure out when he should attack is a lot of the pressure to start these sequences is definitely on him. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, for these sequences to start, like you need Giannis to bend the defense in a certain way. But I also do wonder if he's thinking, okay, once I bend the defense, how am I going to make this great play when, you know, maybe it's just a simpler play? But I'm, I'm not really, it, I think it's going to be really interesting because he said after the game, and I mentioned it uh, last night, that, you know, he, he thinks he's playing B basketball. And I would agree. Like, I don't know that we've seen a game where it's just like, yep, Giannis has totally grasped the system. He knows exactly how he wants to play. Like, he knows exactly how this can go. I don't think we've seen that. And um, like I said, I think it's terrifying and scary for uh, anyone playing the Bucks, and also incredibly exciting for anyone cheering for the Bucks. that, you know, we are still kind of kind of in that that area um let's talk a little bit about the game tonight before we wrap all of this up bucks have a back-to-back coming up here where they'll be in minnesota on friday uh then make the short trip over to milwaukee and have orlando on saturday so uh real tidy back-to-back here for the bucks and uh always always an interesting time when you do that um when you try to figure out exactly how you're gonna be able to show up to both and somehow every time the bucks have played the wolves this year um it looked like the wolves were kind of out of the woods uh, kind of out of the, the wolves out of the woods god eric that's terrible um but it did kind of look like the wolves were out of the woods there uh, for a little bit with the Jimmy Butler stuff. Like, okay, you know, maybe he's just going to play hard and maybe they're just going to like get together and figure this all out and it's all going to work. And then all of a sudden there's another rumor that the Rockets are going to trade all of their draft capital for the next 30 years. And it's not that much, but it's like four first rounders and, you know, maybe one of their bigger contracts. And that's how they're going to try to get it done for Jimmy Butler. And somehow this happens again, uh, right before the bucks are going to play the T wolves. And again, the preseason doesn't necessarily matter, but Milwaukee was the center of, uh, the, or the epicenter of kind of all the awkwardness when Jimmy Butler came back to practice, Jimmy Butler scheduled an interview with Rachel Nichols. And then Carl Anthony Towns had answered questions for Jimmy Butler. Cause Jimmy Butler wasn't at uh, the bucks game. And I, it's just kind of, 
interesting that the Bucks end up being in uh, what Chris Middleton called it during the preseason, the circus. Like the Bucks are in the middle of it, and uh, we'll see how this Wolves team reacts. Uh, we've seen some uh, not great stuff from Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, we've seen Jimmy Butler be very good. Um, I I truly don't know at all what to expect from this Wolves team because. I don't know how you could, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, I, I don't know what you can expect from them and, and what they're going to do. They, they're 2-3 and three on uh, the season thus far. Uh, they had a loss to the Spurs to start the season. They beat the Cavaliers, uh, where they put up 131 points. They lost to the Mavs while putting up 136 points. They beat the Pacers by putting up 101 and holding them to 91. And then they lost to the Raptors uh, on Wednesday night, 112-105. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from them, what team's going to show up, how they're going to play. Um, I, I I don't know. I tr- it, it's going to be really interesting to watch this team and attempt to figure out, you know, what they could be, what they're going to be about, and, and what they're going to look like. So uh, it's going to be a surprise for us. It's going to be a surprise for the Bucks, and we'll have to see kind of how they handle that on Friday night. That should be fun. Orlando on uh, Orlando on Saturday. Uh, they've kind of surprised some teams. Uh, they've had a, they they beat the Celtics the other night. I was going to say they've had a couple wins, but they've had two wins on the season. They beat the Heat in their season opener, and then they beat the Celtics ninety three ninety the other night. And that's been sandwiched between some losses, a loss to the Hornets, a loss to the Sixers, a loss to the Blazers. So I don't, again, I don't know what to expect from the Magic. Um, this, it, this, these early season games are always kind of hard to predict because you don't know what the team is uh, that you're playing. You don't know what they're going to look like. Uh, that Magic team, uh, Vucevic, uh, 18.8 points per game. Evan Fournier, 17.5. Aaron Gordon, 16 points per game. Jonathan Isaac has had a couple games where he's done some stuff. Um so we'll just kind of have to watch and figure out what that'll be. But, you know, even on a back-to-back, I mean, I think that's a game you think of the Bucks should be able to win because that Magic team isn't that good. But uh, we, we'll have to see because I, I, I don't know what they are or how good they are. So uh, we'll see that on Saturday as well. All right, that's going to be it. Uh, Frank will be back on Monday, but for now... I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you on Monday.